Welcome to the Multitask. This is John. It's your boy Fadi. What's going on, guys? So someone will uh, not be returning to Congress as of January 2023, and that is: would you would you do the honors on telling folks who is not going to be returning to Congress in January of 2023? Our favorite tree punching, gun bringing to the airport. Your boy Madison Cawthorn out of the North Carolina 11. What a great day! What was your what was your reaction when when we were we were going back and forth seeing Dave Wasserman talk about the numbers, and it, it was it was pretty early on that we thought okay this 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 has a chance. So what what was your reaction to the whole thing? Um, it was good. Um, now it happened for the wrong reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything that he did policy wise. It was the fact that he became an embarrassment to the Republican Party, and they did him in. Uh, which, you know, I do think America's better off not having him. I don't know if uh, knocking him out of primary uh, makes this seat any more gettable that by Democrats. So I guess one of the questions I would have for you is if your choice would it have been worth leaving him in with a, a, a bloodied up Madison Cawthorn allowing a Democratic pickup, or is he just so bad that uh, we'd rather just see the seat remain red but with a, a hopefully a better person we don't know anything about this person that beat him but what how, what would be your take on and this could apply to bobert this could apply to mtg this could apply to a bunch of them um what are your thoughts do you want to see them picked off in primaries or do you want to maybe see them win their primary and potentially get knocked off in generals i i, I didn't think of it when you pose that question that way my gut reaction is to say I'll take the win where I can get it. I think Madison is an awful, awful um, person. And not only that, John, but remember the whole, his wife was a Russian asset and they divorced and he he, he could very possibly be uh, an enemy of the state. I don't mean that hyperbolically. I, I really truly believe that he he's just bad for the country. So if we get him out of here, I'm perfectly fine with that. I totally understand your point about stealing the seat. I do not believe his seat is gettable for us. Um, I don't even know the name. We're celebrating like like we won the seat, but we're just really celebrating to get him out of there. But yeah, I, I'll just take the victory for now. This was bad for the country, and maybe the next guy's worse. But for now, we have to do uh, what we have to do. Well, and, and I kind of agree with you. It's kind of like Trumpism. I mean, maybe uh, the dissension might depress some of the Republican turnout, and that makes the seat gettable, right? But it'd be it would be better, you know, and let's pull off the partisan hats. I think in any case, we always wanted to be the best person regardless of party. Now, granted, mm-hmm. the way that we're so polarized, I don't think how, I don't necessarily see how any Republican be the best person. But, you know, I remember I used to always say this about, I may have said this to you before, about the difference between Trump and Bush. Um, Trump is a minor leaguer. A Bush is a major leaguer. And I'd rather have a major leaguer who I don't agree with run the country than a minor leaguer. And I'm also, you know, I may have said this to you before, I really don't want Trump to be the nominee strictly for one reason. I don't want him to be the nominee because we're in such a divided country, there's a chance he could win. I'd rather it be someone on the Republican side that I'm confident that Biden or Kamala or whomever is running in 2024 could beat. But I'd want to comfort that if we didn't win, the country would be kind of okay. Now, the problem is there's not too many Republicans right now I would trust the country with. But, you know, I still would prefer that uh, the Republicans 
uh, nominate a a more competent person than Donald Trump. So going back to Congress, I guess you're right. I'd rather knock these people off from primaries with people we think might be more professional, even if it doesn't, even if it means the seat's not gettable. Well, yeah, that and also, um, also like you, you pointed out, or you sent the tweet that pointed it out, him being lame duck. This is interesting. I don't remember. I'm sure this has happened before. I don't remember a sitting congressman losing their primary in a very long time. I could be totally wrong there, but he's basically lame duck. Well, don't, well, don't forget AOC knocked off uh, Joe Crowley. Fair enough. To become a member. Of You're Congress. absolutely right yeah. there. 100%. Um, but Madison's a lame duck for, for six, seven months. So he's really, he's going to hit the senior writers pretty hard. He's already gone after Republicans. He's already gone after quote unquote rhinos. He's, he has a list of people that supported him and didn't support him. So I kind of like this happening now for the simple fact that they're going to have to deal with this. He's going to be a problem in the, in the primaries because he's not in the race. And I think that just helps whether it helps flip his seat or not. Uh, it doesn't matter. I just think that the more and more they're in trouble, the more and more that that's better for us. As far as your Trump point, yeah, I disagree because I don't think it, if it's Trump, I think it's going to be DeSantis. And I think I find DeSantis much more dangerous because he's effective. And a lot of tr- Trump is very ineffective as a leader. As He couldn't get healthcare uh, uh, off the table. He couldn't get uh, infrastructure passed. He, he couldn't really do anything, even with the majority uh, in the in in both right, so I feel like DeSantis is a quieter, even more evil Trump, um, and so in that way, I do want Trump to be the nominee. And for the my the point I'll always make uh, until I'm wrong, Trump on the ballot gets more Democrats out. It does get Republicans out, but it also gets more Democrats out. And in that way, uh, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, <coughs> there's a lot that can happen. You know, we say there's a lot can happen between now and 2024. There's a lot that can happen between now and November. Um, you know, there's, you know, as we saw what happened, um, you know, also that night Fetterman won. I was actually a Conor Lamb preference. He's, he's my, he, Conor Lamb was my preference. Uh, I'm still not too convinced. I've not been happy with what Fetterman has said about the gun incident. And also the problem that Fetterman has is you saw that Conor Lamb kicked his butt with the black vote. Now mm-hmm. in a general election, you're going to need those black folks. And if there's a disconnect and if he can't motivate black folks, um, that makes uh, his task in in Pennsylvania a lot harder than it needs to be. Look, um, one of the things I want to be able to do, and you know, I, this is one of the things I've been bothered about before, is that in Democrats, we fight primaries after the primary is over. So um, I, I was just on a, on, a, on a Twitter space with some friends and I think we should take our time, maybe through Memorial Day, lick our wounds, not necessarily jump on the Federal bandwagon immediately. Maybe some, maybe never jump on it at all, but don't work against them, right? Go ahead, get excited about some of the other places where we can get pickups, but do not do things, do not be the Bernieites. Do not go ahead and entertain too much more negativity about them. I think we need to heal, we need to wound. I think the people who were really close to this and really felt some kind of way about the dangers of, of nominating Fetterman, let them do what they need to do. And maybe they'll never come around, but they don't have to come around. They can go and focus on North Carolina. They can focus on Florida. They can focus on Ohio. They can focus on Wisconsin and let the people of Pennsylvania, you know, go ahead and fight that battle. Yeah. I, I'm seeing a lot of that rhetoric. Um, we, we're not going to get in the way, but we're not going to get in the fight either. 
I totally understand it uh, with Fetterman's kind of uh, problematic past. I will also say that last week on the show, I, I had predicted I thought Connor Lamb was going to uh, sweep it out, but he really got he really got kind of mopped here. This wasn't a close race. Fetterman had it in the bag, and he's here's what I'll say, John is, and, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, or you could kind of give your two cents on this, but he. He reminds people, I think, of Trump in a way that is he, he doesn't dress uh, the way a politician dresses, doesn't talk the way a politician talks, skip the debates. He's much more of a middle finger to the to the establishment in the, in the way Trump is. I, I mean, personality wise, I don't mean policy wise. Obviously, Fetterman much more aligns with the Democrats, obviously. So the way I'm looking at it is. This is a nice little experiment. I don't want to experiment on the go, but this is a nice experiment to see if we always say who's the Trump version on the Democrats. And this is a, a, as a political nerd, I'm interested to see how Fetterman does because it's almost like a WrestleMania, right? Trump in in, in a lot of ways made this uh, a WrestleMania. And Fetterman, remember, Fetterman caught a lot of he. The reason he's running for Senate is because he was anti-Trump during the whole pandemic, during the whole January six. He was very vocal against Trump. And he got on a national scale because of it. And I think he, he he used that to kind of jump on jump on the Senate race. So I'm interested in seeing this. I will say, as far as supporting him or not, this could be totally wrong, and and we'll see as as things come out. But I don't see him as any worse than Mansion. Uh, Mansion has done things that I've had real problems with, and we have to support him because he's helping us, right, on some level. So that's kind of my mentality: is if he's like Cinema in Mansion, then we support him in that way and not get in the way on some level. Well, and let's just say there, there's two things you have to consider. First and foremost, um, at the end of the day, uh, whether it's Manchin, and you and I have had this conversation about even if we could get some Republicans to flip in either the House or Senate, um, at the end of the day, as long as Chuck Schumer or whomever is the Democratic leader, is the, is, is the Senate majority leader, that right there, and that's the one thing we don't realize enough about Manchin and Cinema. Damn, they have screwed up a lot. But without them, we don't have a uh, Supreme Court uh, nominee in waiting, so, you know, uh, or, or not nominee anymore, but justice in waiting, Katanji Brown Jackson. So I do think that we have to first and foremost remind everybody these guys are not necessarily who we all want them to be, but they give us the majority. And if that's who we need, if that's the team we have to put together to get the majority, so be it, that's the team we have to put together the majority. But I will tell you, and I'm not sure if you've noticed this, and it's been kind of funny for a lot of us, um, I would say his first 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours of being a nominee, I was impressed. You know, Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton went ahead and gave him a shout out, and um, Biden. Uh, he appreciated, He yeah. Biden, but I'm talking about the Hillary piece. Um, you know, his he is not as far. You know, a lot of people on the left, the hard, the hard left that was backing him, they have certain expectations on Israel. He is not where they want him to be on Israel. And I'm not. You know, I tend to be. You know, I'm still trying to find the right stance on Israel. Right. I just want the Israeli government to see the humanity in the Palestinian people. That's all I really want. But that being said. I don't think the government, I'm not talking about the people, but I don't think the government of Israel sees the humanity in, 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 in the Palestinian people. But that being said, he is not going to be, if you look at some of his policies, he's not as far left as the far left beliefs. And 
on the one hand, I kind of snookered. I think maybe affected the wrong person there. That someone said that Connor Lamb is actually, in in many ways, more progressive than Fetterman. But I thought that his ability to connect with Hillary, his ability, you know, to you know, not be afraid to go against what I believe his base wants on Israel. I think that was good. So I think he's going to have, uh, I think his approach is going to be a little bit more refreshing than uh, we assume it will be. When I say a little bit more refreshing, I'm not saying it's going to be refreshing. I just think that he might not disappoint those of us um, who didn't support him as much as he will disappoint the people who did this, who did support him, if that makes any kind of sense. You, you use the interesting word that I, I use with him, refreshing. The reason I say that is because, by the way, we're having this conversation in a vacuum related to the gun incident and stuff like that. So anybody listening, keep that in mind. We're, we're, we're talking outside of that incident on some level. John, I don't know if you remember this. I don't want to take credit for it, but I, I do not know if you remember this. During the pandemic and during the, the civil unrest regarding the, the death of George Floyd, and then later on during the election denial and that whole stuff, I was sending you Fetterman clips because he was on MSNBC and CNN a lot, pushing back on a lot of the stuff that the Republicans were saying. And then he was the lieutenant governor, and a lot of the Republicans were talking about Pennsylvania and their election integrity. And Fetterman was was the, was the mouthpiece to go on TV and to say, this is all BS and these are fascists. And he was talking like that. And I, w- I would send you clips, and I remember telling you, uh, I like this guy. This was before the gun, gun incident came out and stuff like that. It's like, I like this guy because I, I want someone who talks like Trump does on our, on our side. And Fetterman is a guy who's relatable. He doesn't wear suits. He wears short. He's a bigger guy. I'm a bigger guy. He wears shorts everywhere. He wears hoodies and he's just, he's just a big dude. Now we've seen that kind of be a con where people are saying it's unprofessional and he talks very brash and stuff like that. I just think if you're going to do the right thing, it doesn't really matter the style for me personally. If you cuss and you wear hoodies, as long as you're doing the right thing, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. So in that way, I think Fetterman is going to be extremely refreshing. Like if he's on a if he's on a debate stage with five politicians who are wearing suits or one politician in this case wearing a suit and he's wearing shorts, in that sense, that's pretty refreshing. And I think Pennsylvania voters saw that in the difference between him and Connor Lamb. Now, I don't know his, his from what I understand, he's super left. Like when I see, what I mean super left is he's going to vote for uh, voting rights and, abor- and abortion uh, protection. And he's going to vote for all the stimulus and he's going to vote for the infrastructure and build back better. That's what I mean by super left where a mansion as opposed to is, is someone I consider in the center. So um, in that way, I think Fetterman policy wise is going to be right up our alley to be honest. Yeah, well, you know, I, I like I say, one, I'm excited about picking up the seat. And if there's no other thing to be excited about, get excited about picking up the seat. Um, as I've said before, you know, a good portion of my career was, has been working with high-profile individuals, not just in politics, but in other spaces. And I will tell you, one of the things I learned by working with high-profile folks is um, most of those folks with a bad reputation 
very seldom live down to the bad reputation. Most of those folks with a good reputation never live up to the good reputation. And so, as I said, it, it, it'll, it'll be, it might be one of those situations where his detractors end up a little bit happier with him than his supporters do. do. And that, that's all I'm going to say. But um, on the Republican side, you still have that McCormick-Dr. Oz fight. And it, that may actually come down to mail-in ballots, which a lot of people are, are laughing. Um, who would you rather face? Who do you, have you looked at that enough to figure out who is the better matchup in that race for, for Fetterman? Is it Dr. Oz or is it McCormick? This, the, the question you just asked is the same question that you brought up with Madison and with Trump. Dr. Oz is so far right extremism that him on the ballot will make Democrats say, we can't have this, and they'll show up and vote for Fetterman. Remember uh, the Newsom recall? I forgot who was the, the Republican uh, nominee that they were pushing. Yeah. Larry Elder. Nobody cared about their race until he was in the race. And when people started thinking, wait, this guy might definitely be the governor of California, Californians showed up and said, no, 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 we're not going to have it. And the, and the recall vote wasn't that close because they knew the alternative. And that way, I truly believe Dr. Oz would be a better uh, fight for Fetterman because he's so far that he Fetterman doesn't have to do that much to get the people in the center. He just has to show them. This guy's crazy. The guy believes in crazy things. He believes that people who smoke weed don't go to work. And so when you're on the other end of, I'm going to, I want to legalize marijuana in Pennsylvania. And when you're on that end, you're going to get a lot of people. So in that way, I believe Dr. Oz is, is the better opponent. Now, if he wins, he's the worst candidate, right? But, but you, so we want to avoid that aspect of it. But in the actual fight, I much rather a campaign against Dr. Oz because it's 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 a lot easier, I think, on messaging. So yeah, it, it, it was a big night. We also got, um, you know, a, picked up um, another uh, <laughs> person down in North Carolina. I think two new Democrats ran. There were some Democrats that were retiring. Um, so we got those people. They should be good. Um, we picked up Cheryl Beasley finally as a nominee from North Carolina for Senate. Uh, pretty excited about that. But you know, looking ahead to this upcoming week. Um, the showdown in, in Georgia on the Republican side of the uh, current Governor Brian Kemp uh, versus Senator Perdue. Remember, Pence was supporting Kemp, Trump's supporting Perdue. And according to all the polls, Kemp is murdering, murdering Perdue in all the polls. So much so that evidently Trump is not really, I, I'm not sure if he made a formal statement, but a lot of people are implying or saying, Trump has pulled out of the Georgia race because he doesn't want to take that loss. Um, that I don't think he can pull out, right? If 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 the nominee was there and Pence says I'm with the nominee and Trump says I'm with uh, the challenger Purdue, Trump can't just back out. You know, come on, man. You 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 suppose you know where's your winning record? What what is your thoughts on uh, looking forward to Georgia this week? Yeah, I think Kemp's gonna win that easily handedly all the indications show that he's very um he's very in front of that race uh, i'm a little worried actually because um I, I truly do believe abrams will get it but um i'm worried that kemp seems to be uh in good position to kind of win there as well so we'll see but you're absolutely right right trump already endorsed purdue and purdue is walking around saying trump endorsed me so here's what happens if purdue loses this 
Trump releases a statement and say, Purdue really didn't listen to me. I, I didn't support him. Uh, he should have listened to me or otherwise he would have won. And so he'll, he'll, he'll deflect the loss. That's what he does the best. But um, is that the only primary happening this week? Um, there may, there may be one or two others, but it's, 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 um, it's, it's in some pickings, but you know, there's, you know, we're, we're almost a month away from the Illinois primary, um, uh, Colorado primaries, uh, New York was going to have a primary, but that got pushed back. They just got their maps this week. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's going to be a very fascinating, um, it's going to be a very fascinating week. Or, or, or I should say a fascinating month in the next month, but you know, I don't know. I, I, the showdown between it's a rematch between Kemp and Stacey Abrams. I'd like to think Stacey can pull it out, but um, you know, who knows? Now you knew, do know going back to Republican side is the um, Secretary of State Roethlisberger uh, that Trump was attacking. He also looks like he's going to hold off the challenge from one of Trump's Trump's folks. So, um, you know, Georgia is not going Trump's way. Now will Herschel Walker make it out? And then that's the other thing is, you know, now we're going to have the heads head to head between Abrams and Kemp and the head to head between Walker and Warnock. And I think Warnock is going to destroy him the more, the more and more I see it. But, um, but what are your thoughts on, on, on Walker versus Warnock? I think the biggest component there I'm looking at is Abrams helps Warnock a lot. Not that Warnock is not going to drive the vote, but Abrams on the ballot is going to help Warnock a whole ton. I think the Republicans plan to pit the black candidate against the black candidate. This isn't that situation here. Herschel Walker is a conspiracy theories, doesn't believe in science, doesn't believe in, in, in common sense kind of a policy that Warnock does. Also Warnock has, um, has, I think, name recognition and also um he's done good things and he's outspoken and he has a long history in georgia right he's not he didn't show up all of a sudden and and run right he has a long history there in georgia so i'm confident that warnock will hold the seat which means that if fetterman wins um we we could possibly have 51 in in the senate granted there's other seats in Mark Kelly and all this. Oh, stuff, so. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio's in play. Tim Ryan's uh, in play. I, I, I yeah. Here, John, I, correct I, me if I'm I, wrong. I, 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 the the general consensus is the Democrat the Republicans have three vulnerable seats, and the Democrats have two vulnerable seats. So if we could hold on to our two, maybe still one or two from Ohio and Pennsylvania, it, it, it might we might lose the House, but we're in good shape in the Senate, I believe. And I was with some House members this week, and I will tell you, they're very bullish. They're very optimistic. So, um, and remember, even Wasserman said that uh, generically, just based upon a formula, which, you know, sometimes doesn't pan out, but if you look at the number of districts and, this, you know, as we're winding down the map drawing process, realistically, the Democrats have picked up three districts. Now, what that means, so folks understand this, is that when the districts are drawn, the and the people who analyze them are able to look to see, uh, okay, if we were to ha- take this district that didn't exist last time, and we looked at all the people who voted in it and how they voted, this is a Biden district. And I think, and I, and, and I think I sent it to you, but I think Biden picks up three new districts, or Democrats uh, have three more districts that vote that voted for Biden. So, 
Um, again, that is a really weird thing because that doesn't mean that there's three Democratic districts because many of the, some of these can be swing districts, and you and I both know that every now and then you're going to have upsets. When Lauren Underwood won Illinois 14 in 2018, it was a Trump district. So, you know, just because it's a district's a Biden district doesn't mean we're going to win it, but it just means that we have, uh, we should be able to at least make it competitive. Yeah, I read a lot of Dave this week uh, with with the, the primaries and also with the kind of uh, the new maps. He he from what I understand, he basically thinks it's a wash. Uh, no, no particular side picked up anything that's going to really shift uh, the, the 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 scene. I don't know if that's good or bad. Right. I know Democrats were up like 10 at one point. Republicans were up 10 at one point. Um it's interesting that you say that the, the some members are bullish on it. I think here's what I'll say. The biggest thing going for Democrats now is abortion. And I urge Democrats to not be afraid to lean into it. Campaign on the idea that Republicans are coming for your rights, your daughter's rights, your wife's wife, your, your wife's rights. Uh, come c- come at it from that angle. Show the text the Texas lawsuit that's already going at uh, uh, schools integrating same sex marriage, interracial marriage, all that stuff. I would lean into that and, and make it a culture war that the Republicans want. We're going to win that, and so I'm excited. Here's what I'll say: I, I wish that abortion wasn't on the table, but the fact that it is makes me a little more op- optimistic. In 2022, we just have to lean on it. I don't know if that's your analysis as well. Yeah, no, I I, I think that. Um... Well, I would say don't overlean in on abortion. What I mean by that, we have to run on it where we can. But even if you look at some state rep races, um, it might always be the issue that we plant our flag on. Remember that American voters only vote, a, a lot of American voters only vote on the issues that matter to them. So it's one of those things where um, I think it's an opportunity. But as with anything, it's kind of like with, remember how we talked about with the Supreme Court? Um, if, if Biden had screwed it up, it could kind of backfire on him, but there's not a lot of political side for him in getting it right. You know, there would have been a lot of blowback for getting it wrong, but not as much blowback, not as much boost for getting it right. I think abortion is the same way. First and foremost, do what's right. Protect a woman's right to decide. By the way, that's the new language that we are using, right? Not calling it a right to choose a right to decide. Um, continue to protect that fight for it but understand that you're doing that because it's the right Mm -hmm. thing and in some districts it will definitely be a political asset but in other districts it's not going to be the asset that we think it is and it may actually be a detriment that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it not at all but it's just managing and realizing what the expectations are uh as it as it as it uh is something that we have to deal with yeah, no, that that makes sense. I totally agree with that. I also think it's, um, well, let me ask you: Do you see you're in you're in the political sphere, but do you look at it from an outside perspective? Do you think that the country is knowing that Republicans are doing this, or do you see it as a confusion, or do you see a clear cut? People truly realize that Republicans are going after rights and not the Democrats. Have you kind of felt that being palpable at all? Um. I, I just really, I think, it, uh, I think it's a net 
positive. I think it's a net gain. I think we get a lot out of it. And and, and but I also think that especially when you're thinking about um single mothers who just need help, it's not a political issue for them. And so I think with this we lead with what's right, not what's politically advantageous, but we're, we're also very realistic. That's all I'm saying. Just be very realistic about uh how much it'll really help you, where it won't help you. And, and and part of the reason why is this is if we look at it strictly if we look at it strictly from a political standpoint, there will be situations in which we do not do the right thing on behalf of women, right? So it's got to be a human rights issue. It's got to be a rights issue. It's got to be a constitutional issue. And we do what's right regardless of political ramifications. I believe that there's more upside than downside politically, but politically should not be what's driving our desire to do the right thing here. And just be real and, and also know that in some places, yeah, we just went ahead and we did something that's not popular in this hyper local community. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it, but you might want to put other issues out there in those hyper local communities. That's all that's all I'm saying yeah, as it relates to that. That makes sense. My angle was that I see a lot of people, elected officials and just commentators kind of pundits talk about when they tweet about this, they say things like a woman's right to decide is the number one important thing. And we have to fight to make sure that doesn't get taken away. But I see a lot of people saying you have to name who's taking it away to always make sure that instead of saying women's right to choose or decide is on the table, say Republicans are making it so that women don't have the right to decide and we have to make this important. So part of the angle, granted, it's a political, and I, I totally get what you're saying. My political view on it is we have to continue to name it, even if Biden talks about it, continue to name who's doing this and who's taking that right away. And I think that that's very effective messaging to make sure that people know Republicans are doing this and, and to vote Democrat on, on some level, if that makes sense. Well, I'll go a step further. Um you, this is how you name it. They asked uh, Governor Pete Ricketts in Nebraska, the outgoing governor, um, is abortion acceptable in rights of rape and incest? And he he would not he would he would not say so. Mm-hmm. Simple messaging, very simple messaging. Republicans believe that a woman, a child, should be forced to carry her rapist baby. That's it. Don't go ahead. You know, that's how you, that's how you message it. Don't go, you know, just go ahead and just put it in stark, cruel terms. Talk about, as much as possible. You want to illustrate the cruelty and the disconnection because have you noticed, and I'm not sure if I'm just, um, I'm not sure if I'm uh, living in a vacuum, but I think I've noticed a lot more people who have identified previously as pro-life have gone ahead in the last couple of weeks and have distinguished that they are personally pro-life, but they believe in a woman's right to make decisions for herself. Have you? Am I correct or am I or, or not in, in that regard? Have you noticed that there appears to be a lot of people who you think because of their language previously, you think, well, they're not there, but they've gone so far as to distinguish that they personally are opposed to abortion, but they support a woman's right to make the decisions for herself. Have you noticed that? Or am I just seeing something that's not really there? I've noticed it a lot with the religious community. And I say that to say um, the Stephen Colbert's of the world, the Joe Biden's of the world who are saying 
we're Catholic and we're really deeply Catholic, but we believe that um, no matter what our religion is, that the woman has a right to decide. So I've seen that uptick. I've seen it personally a lot from the religious community um, to say that this isn't a political issue to us. Our faith shouldn't matter to in, in politics. And 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 I, I have seen an uptick now that you mentioned it. Now, but here's a question, and I know we always tread carefully because we're two men speaking. Um, but let's talk about issues, whether it's race, in this case, it's a woman's reproductive health, but it's sexual orientation. Did we, have, as progressives, as liberals, have we demanded so much a language that we turn potential allies into enemies because they don't say it the right way? And and so is there potentially a lot more people that would come uh, that we could count on to support women's ultimately having control, women having control over their bodies, um, but they're not going to. They might use language. They might even discourage abortion. They might not, you know, be, they want people to exhaust all opportunities. They might not believe in partial birth, but they, at the end of the day, believe that it's a woman's choice to make. Do, again, we, you and I are trading carefully because we're not women, but so let's put it in a generic sense. Does the left oftentimes require everybody to be perfect on the issues? And are people who are not perfect on the issues gettable if we give them space to not be perfect i i don't i don't think we're we're making people be perfect what i've seen over the last few weeks on social media is different types of messaging i've seen a lot of people say not only am i uh pro-choice i'm pro-abortion and if women want it just leave it get out of the way i've seen a lot of people say this isn't my business it's her business and that's her right I've, I've seen a lot of people in the religious community say, I don't personally, I'm, I'm pro-life personally, but this is this is a free country and women should be able to do what they want to do. I've seen a lot of support in different avenues. And I, I just don't think there's one way to say it. I just think you have to know your audience and know who you're talking to. So I, I don't think that we're losing people just trying to trying to be perfect. Uh, there, I don't think this is, Republicans are being so extreme that on the other end of it, we're a wide range of, of attempt that we are, we could get a lot of different people who believe a lot of different things under our tent because they're so extreme that we're really covering the rest of the base. So I'm pretty confident in that. No, and just understand what I'm saying. I'm not really talking about the last couple of weeks. If anything, the last couple of weeks have told me that there's a lot more nuance. I'm saying historically, and when I say historically, let's look a year ago. And let's not only talk about choice, but let's talk about whether it's, um, you know, gender, um, where there might be people um, who don't get the pronouns right. They're kind of accepting of it for you, but they're not really doing it themselves. Um, sexual orientation, you know, police reform. What I'm trying to say, because remember, a lot of people uh, would get really upset when people would uh, say, well, what about black and black crime? And there was a whole group on the left who was like, oh, you can't say that. Well, there's a lot of black folks in the community, like say, a lot of black folks in the black community who will say, we got to fix black and black crime. What I'm saying is, is that maybe something that we need to reevaluate on the left is we sometimes on the left on any issue expect perfection or everyone to be really rigid on the language or, or take something. And if they're not, they're not our allies. Is that something that, that you think has happened in the past 
and is loosening up. Well, I mean, we're, that's that's where I'm trying to go with that. Yeah, yeah. When you frame it like that, I do agree. In the past, we've been like that. I think the pivot point, the change was defund the police. When the defund the police kind of split the party and to say, you either believe this or you don't believe this. And a lot of people were just saying, we want police. We just want to get it in a better position. We don't want to completely get rid of the police. I think a lot of Democrats were pushing back on that. I do see from there, I do see a lot of Democrats have nuanced ideas that what works in in, in uh, AOC's district might not work in uh, Lauren's district. So I think defund the police was a pivot point to say, hey, do what works in your district because all politics, as you say, is, we say is local. So do what kind of works in your area. And then I think generally speaking, we're on the same page. So I think that shifted after the defund the police. Yeah, it's, you know, look, uh, we are a couple of months away from the biggest election of our lifetime. And as I said before, every election is the biggest election of our lifetime. We're a couple of months, uh, well, no, more like four months away, right? No, it's so, we're in May, so we're technically six months away or five and a half months away from from the biggest election of, of, of our time. And it's, the stakes are high, but I'm optimistic. I want us to... I was on a space tonight uh, with a bunch of black folks and uh, they were on fire. And, you know, there are some people on there screaming like, look, you know, we can't mess around. This is life or death. You know, we can't play these games. Uh, It's crazy. Now, one of the things that happened um, changing the subject, although it's got a lot of political implications, since we've not yet talked about the the shooting, the, the mass murder in Buffalo of 10 people, when this 18-year-old man, not kid, 18-year-old man walked into the, uh, it's called a Topps grocery store, and started killing people. He had the N-word on his rifle. Uh, he cased the joint. Um, and it's an absolute tragedy. Um, but it's, you know, so this replacement theory thing has been going on. You know, it evidently, when the, um, the shooting at that synagogue a few years ago happened, that took, I think, about 10 lives, that was replacement uh, theory driven, and then when that guy in El Paso, Texas, shot up, it was it was a Walmart, I believe, um, and killed a bunch of folks, a bunch of Hispanic folks. Uh, I think that was another replacement theory thing. So, what was your reaction to this week's events as it relates to that mass murder? That, or let me call it, let me just reframe it: that white supremacist terror, terrorist attack in Buffalo. Yeah. Um... There's some there's so much to unpack, right? Um, I I will say that the, nobody. I will say that we all stopped doing the lone wolf thing, and I think that conversation has completely gone away. And part of it was us pushing back always and making fun of the fact that all the white shooters are lone wolves and everybody else is part of a, a, a speaks for the rest of the group. So I was happy to see that this immediately was labeled as terrorism, as it is hate crime white supremacist, hate crime, terrorism, all that stuff was was labeled right away. So I'm glad to see the progress there. But I will say this is just this is just the beginning in a lot of ways. The way that the right is gearing up is they believe that everyone out is out to get them. And so I think there's gonna be more violence, unfortunately. Now I will there's a lot to unpack, but one thing I do want to bring up is do you remember when we kind of first started the pod that I brought up when Dominion was suing Tucker, I brought up the fact that why can't like Pfizer sue Tucker? Why can't like the DOJ sue Tucker for causing these things? Something you brought up that was interesting was 
Dominion was the victim in that. Dominion was uh, uh, being falsely accused of things, and so Dominion could sue. In a lot of different cases, there isn't um, a victim for the DOJ to step in and get involved. I wonder if if where Tucker and and the Fox News kind of machine is liable here on some level. We've seen the New York Times had a piece that showed over the last, I think, 200 Tucker shows, this theory has been brought up uh, 150 times where they're replacing you, they're replacing you and everything like that. So if the families, if the families of the victims in Buffalo band together, almost like the Sandy Hook families banded together to, to, to talk about Alex Jones and they sued him successfully. And Alex Jones' career really took, really was was uh, destroyed after that. I wonder if the families of the 10, the 10 victims come together and sue Tucker and sue Fox, if this is going to be a thing. And I would urge, if this is any legal standing ground, I, I urge, I would urge people to do that in the future. And, and I'm wondering if this is where that's headed. Well, I got news for you. Uh, Benjamin Crump, uh, uh, as 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 uh, Al Sharpton calls the Black America's Attorney General, Benjamin Crump's on the case, and he actually was on with Joy Reid this week, and he mentioned or last week, he mentioned that uh, they are looking at all the folks that they can hold responsible, including the various social media platforms, uh, the news outlets, and others who have irresponsibly gone ahead and advanced the um, the whole replacement theory thing. So there's a very good chance that that will happen. Um, you know, right now, the folks on the right just don't care. They don't care. They're doubling down. Uh, even Elise Stefanik, who definitely needs to be held accountable because she did those ads, even Elise Stefanik <coughs> has gone ahead and she said, oh, don't blame me for this. And then, re- like, two minutes later, she tweeted something that basically was reinforcing replacement theory. So, um, look, we have a lot of irresponsible actors. And I will tell you, you know, we were just talking about Roe versus Wade. And again, just with just like with Roe versus Wade, we have to lead not from a political standpoint, but from doing what's right. But I do think that there might be more political upside um, uh, with some of the stuff around the replacement theory, white supremacy, um, basically uh, the safety. And, you know, I know that safety is a issue, especially from a crime perspective that the Republicans are owning. But they're not even really truly owning it, right? They're, you know, everybody talks their mess and they love to blame the violence and portray how wild things are, but they never once want to lift their fingers or do anything about guns, right? So I do think that there is some potential. I think that there's more opportunity with the divisions in this country, with white supremacy. I do think that there's more political upside there in talking about how we need to bring the country together People should be able to shop in peace. Um, and I think that there's a whole portfolio of issues. One is better gun safety, gun laws, right? Common sense gun legislation, gun safety legislation. But talking about, um, you know, just the fact that the other party is literally working to divide us, that the the language that the ter- the white supremacist terrorists use in Buffalo is uh, comes from basically the halls of Congress on the Republican side. So... I do think one first and foremost, as with the with a woman's right to choose or woman's right to decide, we have to do what's right, do what's right. Damn the politics, 
and uh, and just like with the women's right to decide, I do think there's political opportunity, and I actually think that this might even provide a bigger political opportunity. Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent. I really hope this does what you were saying about uh, uh, um, the lawsuits. I really hope this leads into that. I, I I truly do believe it just. Dominion hasn't been mentioned on the Tucker Carlson show one time since the lawsuit happened. And I truly do believe that this is how you go after it. You go after the the advertisers and you go after the money. That's what everyone does this for is the money. And if you have a, a clear cut case, which this seems to me, or if not, if you just get far enough just to make them pay money and spend years and years of litigation, that's what Alex Jones did. Alex Jones fought this the entire way until it was just nowhere to fight. And he went bankrupt and lost everything. And I think that's an opportunity here. Uh, to, to, I would sue, I would go all the way up to top to Murdoch and everybody under him. And, and I think this is how, what, what has to happen here. Granted, um, I'm not the, uh, a victim or the family of a victim. Uh, there's obviously a mourning process and that whole thing that has to happen. Um, I just hope that although no amount of money is going to, um, bring loved ones back. I truly hope that people are held accountable. And to me, that's uh, Elise and Fox News and Tucker and, and that whole kind of uh, um, faction of people. So uh, I hope that happens. I hope that um, I hope that this is the future on some level. Now, one of the things that uh, is, you know, they talked about suing the social media platforms and one social media platform in particular that I don't think I've seen them attached to the Buffalo case, but where, you know, someone who's trying to buy them and wants to bring back all speech, including the hate speech is Elon Musk. Uh, Elon had a bad, bad, bad week. Not only uh, is he still running into, um, you know, some brick walls and trying to take over Twitter. We found out that he is uh, flashing himself to women and having to pay $250,000 settlements. We see the Tesla stock uh, just tanking, and, you know, it just looks bad. And, you know, you know, you and I were you were laughing, or not, not really laughing. You, you reached out to me earlier this week and talked about, well, oh, looks like Twitter wants to sell. Well, I don't know if they really truly want to sell. They want to call his bluff and make him follow through because he's looking like he's shaky. Now, just so you know, the sale only the only timeline on the sale has to be closed before the end of the year, so he has more time. But I don't know if he'll be able to make it to the end of the year without just backing out because this is not going well for him at all. What 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 has been your reaction to what's been going on going on with uh, Elon? After every story comes out, I just keep thinking about na 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 na. They're getting him out of here, John. And it's funny because Elon is now saying. You didn't even bring up the craziest part of this whole thing, which was him basically saying he's a right wing fascist now because the Democrats aren't nice. John, this is. I just kind of made this connection in my head. This is how Trump was made. He wanted the approval and the likes of the Hollywood elite. They never gave it to him and he had to go complete villain. And that's exactly what Elon is doing. Right. Elon wanted to buy Twitter because he wanted to control and he wanted the power of the narrative. And he wanted, he says it's about free speech. It's all BS, right? He wanted the narrative to come back. And he wanted control of that. And then Democrats, I wouldn't even say Democrats. I think people who are going to be on the right side of history are looking at that as like, 
we're never going to accept you. And the more, sometimes, John, the more and more you poke Trump over and over, the more and more, Trump, I told you this before, John, Trump could have, in 2012, could have got his own show on Fox like Tucker did, made millions and millions of dollars, never was, never was going to be in legal trouble and still would have been part of the conversation every single day. But he wanted more. He couldn't resist more, right? And that's the same situation here with Elon. Elon is worth $200 billion. And he still needs more. He still needs that approval, the adolescent approval that he never seemed to get from his childhood. I, I can say that, right? So here you are. You lose money on your original company, which is Tesla. Your Twitter deal is, is probably not going to work out. Even so, you're going to really hate it on some level. Then three, all these allegations or not allegations because he he agreed to pay the 250. So he said on Twitter this wasn't true, but he agreed to pay the 250. So on some level this is true, no matter what he says, right? He did this. And I bet you what, John, that that won't be the only one. Because usually as we see with cases like this, it's never just one. So Elon's getting everything he asked for. And he deserved it, as far as I'm concerned. And he he was always been a right winger. I tweeted this. He's using this as a way to become what he truly is, and that's the right winger that he always was. So, as far as I'm concerned, he had no problem with January 6th, had no problem with Buffalo, but he has a problem with being called out on Twitter. So, yeah. Well, here's the thing. The thing I enjoyed the most about it was he went ahead in his takeover bid, his hostile takeover bid. He offered a very high price and I think he's like, it's at 44 or like 55 or something. A share was like it's 54, whatever yeah. it was, you're 54 a share. And so he's locked in on that. And so, and so the Twitter prices are, are tanking. Now remember that in the, the sales agreement that they signed, they said, whoever takes the deal or whoever doesn't follow through, if this deal crashes, that person owes the other party a billion dollars. Right? So, the, the reality is, is that you have a situation in which um, t- uh, Elon is going ahead and he is, um, you know, trying to, I guess, crash or ruin a deal, thinking that Twitter will try to negotiate with him. And Twitter's calling his buff and saying, no, no, we're not going to negotiate with you. What we're going to do is we're going to hold you to the deal that we agreed to. Now, don't forget that there were some things in which he had to back the deal or back his commitment to the deal with stock, with Tesla stock. Well, the Tesla stock has lost like over like $400 a share since uh, since this whole thing started. So he will have to give up more Tesla stock. And for any number of reasons, the Tesla stock is tanking. And I wonder, I think JP Morgan was involved. I think um, one uh, one of the um, I forget one of the computer moguls was involved, but I wonder if those people are going to back out on him because he is conducting himself in a manner where would you want to be his guarantor, right? If you're if you're J.P. Morgan and and you're going ahead trying to get people to support, uh, you know, to, to if you're going to provide if you're going to invest in him so he can make this investment, aren't you getting a little nervous by the way he's conducting himself? I mean, do you really want to turn over that much money to him seeing how he's behaving? Well, from what I understand, the people who are backing him are 
are kind of right wing too. So I think they're backing him because they want him to take over and they subsequently take over as well. But um, I wonder what I do wonder is how hot it gets right now. It's pretty hot. Tesla's tanking Twitter's tanking the first allegation or, or not allegation, but proven, I guess, to be true because of, of Musk paying the two fifty. What happens when it's two more girls or three girls? Or what happens if the member he's being sued by uh, the black employees of Twi- of Tesla because of, of allegations of racism and, and worker abuse and stuff like that? So what if this is this isn't the worst it gets? What if there's three, four or five more stories that come out in the next few weeks or next few months? And really just gets he he becomes so toxic and nuclear that you can't even get close to him. And so th- that's where I believe all this is headed is just going to get so hot where people have to pull their money out on, uh, for them, unfortunately, and for the benefit of us. <laughs> well, trust me, though, even with those right wingers. They love their money. And if they see him acting like this, they may still be pulling for him to do what uh, he's doing but they're not going to want their money to be a part of it because they want to get their money back. They want to return mm-hmm. on their investment. They have investors that they're accountable to. So again, I would think that some of the people who have guaranteed who he was able to get to back his play, I think they're going to get a little skittish and they're going to be backing up, but you know, it's, it, it it's crazy. So before we go one other, there's two other things that we really need to discuss. One, um, the January 6th commission, has gone ahead and requested a meeting with a member of Congress. I'm going to look up his name, but a member of Congress who was was given tours on the day before January 6th. What was your reaction? I mean, he said, it's funny because I'm not sure if you know this portion of it. He had initially denied uh, doing any tours. And I think he even (laughs) filed a complaint um, being, you know, defending himself. Now he's saying, yeah, but what had happened was they weren't, you know, these were these were just families. So he has already lied. His story is unraveling. What was your reaction when you heard that news? Well, we we know again anecdotally, but we know that there was suspicion that there was being tours done on January fifth. Margie and Lauren and this guy, we had kind of known this, and I just think people were waiting for people to prove it. So um again. They seem, from what I understand, the January 6th Commission has hard evidence. It's not speculation or anything. It has pretty hard evidence. I would imagine, John, with the cameras and everything, the security at, at, January, at, the, at the Capitol, that they would have hard evidence. So uh, this was just a matter of time. We all knew that this this happened, and, and it's it's finally good to have the proof for it. Right. And then another thing in that same space, uh, Jenny Thomas got busted again, this time basically Lean on the people in Arizona. Um, I, it's, it's bad. It's bad. I don't know how he even, uh, how her husband uh, can hear any January 6th case, but he's going to try. Um, thoughts on Jenny Thomas? How is she not indicted in this whole process is beyond me, and how he doesn't have to resign is absolutely beyond me. I do not know what it's going to take for a Supreme Court justice to resign. But this is clearly one of those situations. Your wife is an insurrectionist. Your wife participated, executed, tried to plan an insurrection. And that should be disqualifying for a, a member of the justice as far as I'm concerned. So um, that's my stance on it. Yeah. So 
on that note, we are uh, closing in an hour, so it's time to wind down. So for now, this is John signing off. And this is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye.